everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about trash can shields, HIPAA violations, and the only fitting response a bunch of lost, strange characters would give to a random speech from a woman calling herself the mayor. Polite applause. Yeah, just... Yes. Okay. And just confused looks. My favorite was just the confused looks of the Comic-Con extras that they pulled. Mm-hmm. Of just being like, D- are, what did we sign up for? Why are we... Like, we're not... They told us not to speak, but like, you're a pirate. I'm steampunk. That lady's a belly dancer. Who are we supposed to be? <laughs> What's... Oh, oh, clapping. We're clapping. We're... Oh, yay. Inspired. Everyone, we are talking Whoa. about season six, episode two, A Bitter Draft. And this is our first quasi-standalone story in the Land of Untold Stories saga. And I am going to say something that surprises even myself. I really liked this episode. I also enjoyed this episode. I love a little bit of classic literature and some random deep cuts. I believe we both probably had full body cringe moments where our (gasps) whole soul wanted to leave our body Mm -hmm. and might have for, luckily, a short amount of time. It did not linger. Um, But yes, a, a good, solid episode. A lot of... A lot of action, a lot of storytelling, moving our plot forward. We love it. Yeah, this felt like a a return to form in some ways. It almost felt like, to me, this felt better than the premiere for season six. And in some ways, it felt better than the finale of season five. I thought it was more lighthearted. I thought it had more personality. Um, I feel bad for Henry still. And... Even with the HIPAA violations, Archie, how dare you? We we gotta we gotta love a woman who says she's going to therapy and is actually going to therapy. That's a big oh step God, for Emma. Oh my God, I was so worried. I was so worried. I'm like, great, a woman lies about going to therapy. Fantastic. It's the Gilmore Girls reboot years. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I First of all, yes, and we'll talk about it, but yes, we love a small town therapist who just has no rules. Just like... Oh, there's six people in town. I will talk about all of them. But yeah, this episode had some interesting highs and lows. And you're right. It did feel better than the last two episodes, Mm -hmm. which were like a finale and a premiere. And I think it's because of how they chose to introduce. Like they chose to downshift the last part of the season into the new part of the next season then continue it from a break, and then now they're hitting their stride. So I think they just got to a proper pace, and they threw themselves off by, like, introducing the new plot 30 minutes early. Because <laughs> they were like, we have got to get out of the underworld. We are all miserable. You know what? Bring in season six. Bring it in. Vamp. Vamp. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Just putting the, laying the flags. Landing zone. And they're just... There's a bunch of teamsters being like, it's not ready. It's not ready. But I don't care. Bring it in. Put what we're in the, in the things, in the, in the, uh, that's like goggles. Uh, the contacts, we don't care. Just tell them to start making something up. 
He wasn't in this episode at all, either. No. Boo. Boo hiss. <laughs> well, this episode was written by Andrew Chambliss and Dana Horgan, who are two Once Upon a Time veterans. Andrew Chambliss' big role in the series and directed by Ron Underwood. And, you know, normally this 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 mix has kind of had its ups and downs, you know, some some lackluster filler episodes. And this had all the makings of a lackluster filler episode. But I think the performances highlighted it. I think Regina, I think Lana Perillo was having a lot of fun in the dual role. And as we get into the Regina evil queen thing, I'm actually really liking it so far. More, way more than no. I expected for the sole reason no. of Lana Perilla is just so freaking talented. More for the better. Pure evil. I love it. I, I, I am also enjoying it, but like, we also were just like, oh, maybe Hades is better the second time around. And then we were duped and I was upset. So I am holding, I also enjoyed it. I did at one point like think to clock it of being like, she's in every scene. This is the hardest woman, working woman in Once Upon a Time right now because she, Lana Perilla is on screen the whole time. Every single time you turn around, it's either her or the queen. Uh, I really do like her characterization. I like, I just, I feel, I don't remember. I genuinely don't remember, but I just do feel like they lose the plot. <laughs> they lose the thread of what's going on because they explain it very well in this episode to the point where I was like, oh, Amazing. Because the evil queen is telling Regina that the darkness is still inside of her and growing because they are one mm-hmm. and she can't get rid of them. I'm like, that's amazing. We love this. Amazing. But I, I feel like we lost that thread the first time around. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. But oh, once upon a time, losing focus on their plot? Who would have thought? No, no. Uh, definitely not just years of data to support this claim. But no, yes, fun episode, good times. We love this. Well, we're going to go ahead and start in a storybook. And we're going to go ahead and start at Granny's with our newcomers. Well, we'll, Evil Queen and Zelina, they're doing their thing. And we're going to get to them once they're doing their thing. I kind of want to get through all of those scenes in one fell swoop when when you bring it up because I hated it. I hated Zelina in this whole episode. It's going to take a long time for me to like Zelina again. I just can't. But let's start I'm, at yeah. Granny's. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. What's a jukebox? <laughs> so uh, well, how many like s- stories did you clock? Like I f- saw like they had Moby Dick again. They had Davy Crockett again. I saw Musketeer again. It it was all the same costumes. And then we saw like the random ones that made no sense. I am very concerned that I, I, and I didn't want to go back and check. Like I saw it in a, in an instant and I went, was that a Confederate soldier? And then just like kept on living my life. There's like an old timey soldier. I don't know if he's directly a Confederate soldier, but he's just like in blue but it's not revolutionary and it's definitely not anything modern. So I'm confused as to what the gear was. Was it blue or but gray? It was blue. Well, cause the Confederacy was light gray and the union was blue, was dark blue. Oh, okay. So I get them mixed up. So, okay, cool. I'm always just like, ah, there's, I'm always remembered. Like, what's the song? There's some song about two brothers. One were blue, one were gray. I don't remember, but 
There, okay, so there's a Civil War soldier. <laughs> for some reason. Yes. <laughs> Unclear. Um, I clocked some... Like I said, I saw what appeared to be... I, I'm going to say belly dancers. I don't think that's what they were. But, like, I just saw just, like, tassels and exposed bellies for, like, a split second. You only see them for a second. They're, like, near the door. They near definitely the top looked like people. belly dancers with, like, midsummer crowns. But they also felt like... Let's be honest. The white women you see at Renaissance fairs doing yeah. belly dance, and it gets, Full, yeah, it's uncomfortable in 2023. I mean, it's always uncomfortable, but especially now. Yeah, no, this cringe. whole thing just absolutely reeked of Party City was having a sale, <laughs> and or or it's a spirit Halloween. Granny's was closed, and it accidentally was a spirit Halloween for two weeks. Um, let's see, what else did I collect? There was a pirate. I saw pirates. I saw steampunk. Nondescript steampunk top hats and goggles. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's all I really clocked. Because I kept seeing the pirates. And I was just like, do you think Hook was just like, come on, lads. I got a ship for you. No. Instead, the only person he brings to his ship is a land a landlubber who only wants to read at the library. Who didn't the want to be on the ship. It was the ex-wife of his mortal enemy. It's, oh, the webs we weave. So yeah, so Regina shows up <coughs> with Henry, who is now on his next operation, and I just feel so bad for this poor actor because they don't know what to do with him, but they do know what to do with Regina, which is all. She just gets to do it all, yes. which we love. She does everything, including her PTA lady speech. I love her, P- like, because she's got the PTA lady hair mm-hmm. and the outfit where she's like, hello. So the bake sale is Tuesday. Amazing. We we were so excited that you could be here. Nothing store bought. Thank you. <laughs> we know who you are. <laughs> it would be the exact opposite now. You're not allowed to make anything from no. scratch. Yes, it has to have I need an ingredients list. It needs to be boxed. Because listen, no one wants to get food poisoning and no one and as someone again who has I have an autoimmune disorder in which I can't have gluten. The number of times people have handed me things and went it should be gluten-free. I'm like, listen, this is not the Russian roulette I want to play with my life. <laughs> like, you don't get to deal with me in three hours from now. Like, I, thank you, but pass. Because you asked me the other day if potatoes were gluten. I don't trust you. <laughs> you don't know me. Um, but yeah, she comes in and I, I did love that Charming was like, oh, we've got stuff on a jukebox. Like, what's a jukebox? And there's lunch by the door and no one moves. <laughs> Like, you just like, uh-huh. None of them, like, it just felt like none of them spoke English and he hadn't figured it out yet. But see, I liked this. I liked this version as short as it, and unimpressive as it was, because this could have been a lot bigger and a lot more interesting. This was a lot better than the Camelot arrival. Cause, oh, for sure. For sure. Like, the learning curve for the people in Camelot was either really high or really low because they acclimated super fast. And in this situation, they're just kind of milling around, not knowing what the heck to do. And I I feel that. Well, which is funny because, as we learn, a lot of these people are in the land of untold stories to halt time in the moment that they're at. Because that's what's going on with, as we'll find out, the Count. Wouldn't they be more panicked? Lives are hanging in the balance. Debts need to be paid. They've come out of hiding. Like, it feels like they were all, like, 
smoked out of a witness protection program and standing in front of a camera. And it was just like, none of them care. They were just like, oh, my untold story, it's fine. I actually was just like on vacation there. So I don't actually even care. It's fine. Where are my children? I haven't seen them in a while. Yes, because somebody does come into Granny's, uh, shoveled, greasy hair, neckerchief, and... A scar above his eye. A scar above his eye. And, and Henry turns to him and is like, what's your story, dude? What's your handle? Let me look you up and see how we can fix your life. And he's like, no, the, goodbye. The, the social awfulness of what Henry does. Henry, by the way, they never let this poor boy take his backpack off. Like, he's allowed to take it off. Most most of the time, too. I don't know how many teenage boys you've, like, existed near. They don't wear the backpack. The backpack is literally anywhere else. It's within their sphere of control somehow. But it's hanging from one arm, their hand. They're holding it by the bottom, the top, the side. Like, there's... They just they don't hold on to it like normal backpacks. And he never takes it off. But he turns and he looks at this clearly disheveled, not doing great guy and just goes, what's your name? <laughs> Who are you? Hello? What's going on? Like, maybe, maybe let's pump the brakes. Let's just gently, this man has landed in a new, he fell out of a dirigible. It's all very confusing. His mayor has bright red eyes and is very violent. But yeah, he's like, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a story. I'm no one. I'm the wind. I'm Batman. And then he disappears, leaving he's one letter behind for Snow and Charming. With, with a wax seal because he's extra as hell. <laughs> so let's go ahead and um, learn about, like, Regina's going to tell Snow and Charming, like, why they got this letter from this guy. Because they're, they're, he's telling them, meet me by the dirigible in, like, an hour because I'm totes going to because for reasons. And they're like, well, we don't know who this guy is. Although they do. They just don't realize it. They do. They do. I love that they know all this classic literature, but then like explaining the story of the Count of Monte Cristo. Like, no, no, didn't. I never read a lot of Damas. No. The Three Musketeers. Who? I, no, the Three Amigos I've seen. Three Musketeers. Not as much. Um, and yeah, Regina recognizes the seal as Le Count of Monte Cristo. And then Granny <laughs> decides to talk about sandwiches. She has one line in the whole episode and it's a Monte Cristo's no bread's too eggy. And then just fully leaves, like just enters the conversation and leaves. She doesn't Amazing. even get to talk when Emma talks shit about the beds in her inn. She just like waves her hand and ignores it. Because, like, I feel like, maybe I'm just imagining this, but wasn't he just like, oh, we have plenty places for you to stay here, like, we're gonna set you up for something, and then Emma, fully in, in the, like, area of these people, being like, oh, no, this whole place, bed bugs, and they're terrible mattresses, they're basically from a prison, like, you wouldn't want to sleep here, it's so gross and nasty, you guys have fun, though, bye! Oh, <laughs> Emma, what the hell? <laughs> Yes, and Regina reveals to Snow and Charming that uh, the reason she knows this guy and the reason why he wants to meet them is because she hired him to kill them. Dun, dun, dun. You know. And I, I thought this do. was a cool reveal. I, 
I loved how they brought the Count of Monte Cristo into the story. I also really liked his backstory, although I agree there was a bit of confusion there and we'll talk about it. But I liked the the mystery of it and the way they kind of yeah. drew it out until almost the very end. Like the reason why he was still coming after them and there was a yeah, lot of pieces they wanted, they gave They gave him his story, which is always funny to me because it's like, what's the story of the Count of Monte Cristo? It's basically Shawshank Redemption going into if the Great Gatsby was about violence. <laughs> just I've waited, I've waited and pined, and now I'm finally here, Daisy, to murder you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like they give him a story, they give him his like grand entrance where he gets to tell the Baron. I love this scene so much because I love scenes in movies like this because they're so uncomfortable. Where it's like one person enters and everyone just like stands around them. And then one guy who thinks he's the main character, but he's clearly about to die, is just like, yes, thank you for inviting us. It was so great. He's like, no, Baron, thank you. And the Baron was like, wait, why are you talking directly at me? I don't, what's happening? He's like, ah, I know you. You don't know me, but do you? I have a scar. You know me. You murdered everybody I love. And then stabs the hell out of him. Good for I, him. Good for him. Given how much this scene had to accomplish in such short amount of time, like literally just telling the entire plot of Count of Monte Cristo, I thought it did a fine job. It it was yeah. clunky and awkward because he's he's giving his whole life story to this guy in full view of all these people and but I do want to give it I want to give props to the actor Craig Horner. Weirdly enough, I think this was like his last known role. Like he was a working actor oh. for a while and this was the last like thing he was credited with on Wikipedia. I didn't check IMDb, but um, I thought he was good in this role. I thought he stepped into it really well. I liked how he kind of changed his persona from scene to scene based on who the Count of Monte Cristo needed to be in that moment or, you know, who he needed to be. Um, like, I loved his entrance with his full giant coat and his slicked back hair. He did kind of reminded me of... He was acting a bit like Orlando Bloom in the first Pirates of the Caribbean. He was. I see that now. Okay. But I didn't also, mind way, it. I, I love the first Pirates movie. Just going to point that out. I rewatched it. I think it was like last summer. And then I was like, I'm going to watch the second one. And then I watched the second one. And I'm like, why haven't I watched the rest of them? And then I started watching the rest of them. <laughs> they, 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 I'm talking about losing the plot. Holy cow. Okay, so... Yeah, he comes out. He does really well. You're right. It is clunky. I do like some of the sword work. Mm-hmm. Um, the sword work that is mostly flourished by camera work. Yeah. Because in no reality was he fast enough to disarm a guy who hadn't even pulled out his sword. Like, he just, he like thwacks him in the side. If you thwack somebody so hard, you bust their scabbard off their belt. You have also probably gone three inches into their skin. Yeah. Like, th- that guy is now a one-legged person. Yeah. Right? His, his, okay. he, he, his, some bones were fractured and possibly dislocated. But as we've learned from charming on the back of a Ford with a two-by-four, physics has no place in Once Upon a Time. It physics is none of their business, and they don't bother with it. So yeah, so he he 
the Count of Monte Cristo, Edmund Dantes, um, kills the Baron in full view of everybody. And this was the funniest scene to me because I just watched all the extras after. Because, like, if I saw somebody just get flat out murdered in front of my face, like, especially a Baron, I'd be screaming and, like, fleeing. But they all just, like, with their drinks, just kind of casually saunter out, like, oh, it's time to go. (laughs) I... What kind of world do these people live in? Like, oh, the murder happened really early in the night. Like, that party was kind of a drag. Like, if the bear is going to get murdered, he should get murdered after the drinks run out. Right? Yeah. Like, to keep everybody... We, I hadn't even finished my first glass. I do like the one scene where they were like, oh, this, the reveal of who he was was because they zoom in on an invitation and then fade to a woman like showing the invitation to somebody. And I understand that it is a storytelling device, but like, think about being that woman being like, I've brought the invitation with me and now I'm showing it off to another person at the party who likely also got this invitation. (laughs) Like, look at this great, look at the, yeah, no, Claire, I got this invitation. No, I've seen... Okay, yeah. No, it's great. Awesome. Please don't show me the back. Amazing. The back's just as great as the front. Fantastic. I need to go. Like... I don't know if you noticed, but the Baron was also holding his during the scene. I just like the idea that, like, because of the way that the Count was... Like, the Count was not, like, a man of means... So he clearly has no idea how to throw a party. So like his invitation probably was just like, bring invitation in hand. You must bring it in two forms of ID to identify yourself. Like whatever. And they're like, they're showing it off being like, is this insane to anybody else? Like, it's also your dance card. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like just imagine in Bridgerton, if someone just like got straight up murdered at the beginning of a party and then everyone was just like, oh, this is really going to hurt the season. What will Lady Feather... Let, what would Lady Whistledown say? Oh, well, I guess murder. his sister's not going to be the diamond. Mm. Ooh, the tea is piping hot. <laughs> A murder has happened and no one cared. Anyway. All right, well, the murder has happened. I, murder, yes, most murder. foul, most bitter draft-ish. <laughs> and everybody's everybody's casually wandered away. The, the count is now like... Okay, well, I just murdered the guy. Shoot. I'm kind of stuck now because he had the information I needed to complete my revenge. And lo and behold, here comes the evil queen in evil 19th century French regalia. And I fucking loved it. She looks so good. I loved this in a way that I cannot describe. Everything about what was happening with her hair and the waves and the pins, and her fan, and her dress. Did she have a drawn-on mole? I feel like I saw, like, a, a, a... Okay, fantastic. She did. I loved every single... Like, the moment... And then at one point, she, like, for no reason, rolled an R. And I'm like, I'm in love with this woman. Please. <laughs> like, like just cut to me holding a bouquet and wearing a veil. Like, yes, <laughs> we're getting married. <laughs> this is where this is as what I've always wanted. Yeah, she shows up and she's like, I would like to hire you to do. That's a nice murder you did. Can you do it to a married couple? You don't have to throw a party. You just have to just straight up murder them. Thank you. Yes. If you could do this murder, m- also most foul. Most I... foul times two. Times two, the, the murder of Dur. 
uh, I will give you this convenient list of all your enemies. And I, I would love... It's real. And I would love if he opened it. factual. I would love if he opened it at the end and it just said on there, haha, it was me, the evil queen. You've been duped. I killed your family. <laughs> Pranky, bro. Whoa, look at your face. You look like such a scab. Whoa, look at you. Uh, Yeah, yeah, because obviously. Um, yeah, he, and he's like, I guess. Yeah, he agrees. Why not? You know? And then we cut to a Snow and Charming and their entourage, including Charlotte. You know, Snow's handmaid. Charlotte. We all yeah. know Charlotte. We love Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte. Here she is. Excellent. Yeah. Ma'am, you see Charlotte? There she is. Hello. She we is. know her from way back to a scene earlier. Hooray. <laughs> and they're riding through the woods. They come across a ransacked village. Uh, that the queen had uh, raised to the ground, and there's a lone survivor. It is oh. Edmund, <gasps> the vintner. Totally not Edmund the Count Tutu. of Monte Cristo. And he's just like, ah, 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 my life is so terrible. And Charmy's like, we need a sommelier. <laughs> Do you want to be a sommelier? <laughs> I, I love Charming in this episode. I don't I know too. what he was... I don't know what he was on, but he was having a good time, even when he was trying to be... Like, he had the levity of an earlier season Charming. Like, he was invigorated. He had swagger in this episode. There's the word. He had swagger. He did it later in the episode with the little button thing that he had. And he was just... The way he was, I was like, oh, okay, Josh Dallas. Okay. I get it. I also um, think it might have something to do with the fact that all the hair, all, many of the main characters got really good haircuts in season six. Hook's hair, so much better. Charming's amazing. Snow's great. Regina, back to the season one. Flippy flip. And I'm into it. I I love season change haircuts where it's mm-hmm. like, you know how it's been four hours? They all look absolutely different. <laughs> um, and I just, I, you know, when, when a show gets more money... And they get different hairstylists or the hairstylists gain, you know, more expertise as they go along. Because hairstylists, all about their continued education. Um, I love watching the progression of just being like, oh, this is okay. And the wig's kind of whatever. But like, whatever. And then you get like eight seasons deep and everyone looks like they're in a Pantene commercial. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I always think about X-Men. Because like in X-Men, like the first time you see Rogue... It, or not Rogue, uh, the first time you see Storm, it's Halle Berry, and she's in this terrible wig, and it's whatever. But by the end of it, she's got shadow roots, she's got this perfect haircut, it's like, what? What happened? No, someone explain this to me. Anyway. Yeah, so They Edmund look great. They look them. great, Charming's great, and they're gonna save, yeah, they're gonna hire him to work in their castle, and that's how they're gonna save him. Hooray! Yeah, he's gonna be their new vintner. And is going to run the wine and stuff, which, I mean, he, it's a good gig. It's a good gig. But he's got another gig. He's already been paid. He's been paid for murder. A murder gig. The murder gig. The murder gig. most foul gig. And, oh, and there's also a note where he has a moment with Charlotte where he keeps saying stuff about her eyes. And it's pretty much like, you know, Rumple confirms it later that, oh, he sees his fiance in her or something. And I, this is where I got confused because I was like, is she a reincarnation? Is she actually his fiance? Is this, or is this like, are we actually traveling further back in time? Like, did Charming and Snow kill his fiance? Like, 
there was a little timey wiminess that but no he it is was it, just you look like my my lady i liked so i'm gonna be creepy is it you. from that movie from the 90s where that woman dies and then transplants her heart into another person, but then the husband falls in love with the heart transplant lady because their hearts are the same, because apparently that's where the soul is kept. I don't remember who was in that movie. I feel like... What's the lady with the really curly hair from the 90s? Oh, shit. It wasn't, Mel- it wasn't Minnie Driver. The other lady. She's like country, kind of. I'm thinking about the movie Michael. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have I lost everybody? You've, you've lost me a little. I know what kind... Of, I know what movie you're talking... Wait, Michael is the one with the angel where John Travolta was like yeah. an angel. Yeah, and the name is on the tip of my tongue. Um, is it Amy? Andy? Andy. I don't know. Andy she has Sachs? really curly hair. No. Maybe? Does she have real curly hair? To just I know who you're talking about from face? Groundhog Day. Yes, that it's woman. It's not Andy Sachs, I think though. she's in it. Or maybe it's Minnie Driver. <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember there's curly hair. I could also be wrong, but... I w- this is why I got confused, because I was like, I don't understand what's going on, but I also get creeped out by the whole, me personally, when it's like, oh, you remind me of my dead wife. I'm so in love with you. It's like, no, no don't do this. I don't like it. Especially where it's like, oh, you remind me a little bit of it in your physical. Like, everything about you is different, but like, physically I can see my wife. It's like, that's... No. No. That's- Absolute pass. Yeah. But it's enough for him to start to doubt his mission. After a side trip to visit the queen, probably my favorite scene in the whole damn episode. This was so great. (laughs) The queen is just for funsies practicing her fencing with one of her guards and straight up murders him and is like, (laughs) I murdered you, I win. And then the count comes in. He's like, "They, they bought it hook, line and sinker. I'm I'm in. I'm gonna get them and Regina gives him the poison and just their like back and forth was so freaking fun. I I did really enjoy this because it was a scene to set up the fact that there were gonna sword fight later. Which is great. Amazing. But like just their banter mm-hmm. and again, there was just like there was just a, a a levity to this episode with everybody and their characters, like I don't know if it was an especially sunshiny day, but everyone was having a great time and this was fun and they had fun. And I love these characters for what they were. We love this. I got to stop saying that. I apologize. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so she, yeah. she, you know, he shows up to give the update. He's like, all right, I'm going to go back. I'll give them the poison and it's all going poison chill. For Cusco. Yeah. And then Rumpel shows up and is like, Hey, what what are you doing? I thought we were going to do this whole thing where you were going to start your dark curse and we were going to go. Because, you know, this is all part of Rumpel's plan to get Balefire back. Regina says, no. So I know you made the whole thing where I can't harm Snow and Charming. I can pay other people to do it. So I'm going to instead try that instead of in- enacting a whole dark curse that's going to put me in a place where I don't get my evil cleavage. Yeah, and then that's where the scene ends and nothing weird happens. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I don't want to talk about the weird thing where he he sniffs her for no goddamn reason. I hated it. Why? Oh, God. I just felt every fiber of my being reject that scene. (laughs) I just... No. So, that doesn't happen. We're writing it out of of, of the world. No one saw it. 
It's a figment of all of our imaginations. A collective fantasy that we've all had for no reason. It didn't happen. And I like this, too, because she was like, ha-ha, the student has surpassed the master. And he's like, no, we don't do loopholes around here. I will get you. Mm. And he does in, like, the weirdest, strangest way. He does. The The note I want to make for this is, you know, we. this is another instance where the the show writers are working to add something into the story in an in-between space. You know, we already yes. have the whole timeline set for Regina getting the curse, Regina enacting the curse. Everything is laid out. This is like a little kind of little curve that's slid in there. And I actually think it works really well. And it makes a lot of sense. Like, why wouldn't Regina try another option instead of enacting this dark curse that means sacrificing the thing she loves the most. Now, she's got it as a backup. But it made absolute sense to me that she would she would try this route instead. So I thought it fit really well. Yeah, no, this is... I enjoy these, like... Because, again, one of our biggest complaints, especially, like, last season, and I believe uh, the back half of the season before, was that everybody was succeeding immediately. Mm-hmm. This shows that that's not what's going on. And it is retconning it, obviously, but it is not changing the timeline. They do get a little, again, to to use your beautiful turn of phrase, uh, timey-wimey, because you're just like, where does this fit? I, like, clearly we're at a certain point where everybody knows what's going on, the dark curse is getting ready, but, like... If we did the Marvel thing where we supercut everything to watch in order, would it still make sense? Who knows? It's fine. And I like this because it's a, why wouldn't Regina have just hired somebody to murder them? Because that's what I, like, <laughs> if I were doing this, that's what I would have done. Just be like, here, here's 12 bucks. Please go murder my mortal enemies because I'm just spending a lot of time. I had to murder, I tried to murder my horse. It didn't work. <laughs> now I think I got to murder my dad. You know what? I'll give you $15. That's not right. No, I only have a 20. Okay, take 20. <laughs> I do feel like he could have murdered them, like, immediately upon seeing them. Like, they could have, they, they came right up to him. He could have just had, like, some darts and just been like, Poop, and then they would have been dead. Yeah. But then we like, wouldn't get the whole drama. That's the whole thing. Like, if, if, if uh, Harry Potter had a gun, you know, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, if you introduce some logic into the world in which you've built sometimes where it's just like, why wouldn't he? He's a muggle. Like he grew up in that world. Like, why do we have to whatever? But now I am hearing there's a TikTok sound going around and it is of our, our, our dear uh, Jennifer Goodwin. It's, I don't remember what show it's called. Uh, how to get, a, not how to get oh, away with why murder, women kill. but why women kill. And it's the, just the sound. Hi, what can I do for you? I'd like to buy a gun. And I, just want that to be Snow White. Just be like, <laughs> Regina is like, and she's just like, what's up? She's going into like gold pawn shop. I'd like to buy a gun. I'd like to pack some heat, please. I'm like, I'm going to need like something that's definitely going to get her. Uh, but yeah, no, he could have definitely done that. He could have done a thousand things, but then like, he was like, I'm going to embed myself to make the murder even more terrible. Like, he's not an assassin. He just wants to make this his worst spot. Be like, no, I embedded myself with them for 12 weeks. I got to know them. And then I murdered them in their sleep to watch the betrayal fall across their face. Well, well Regina does want the their deaths to be long and slow and painful, which is why she has given him this Agrabah Viper poison. 
uh, to put in the wine to serve them. And so he gets it and he's like, all right, let's let's freaking do this. I'm going to murder them. And he's already starting to feel a little bit of doubt. You can see it kind of creeping on his face. And then it is exponentially increased because Charlotte shows up and she's going to sit with them for dinner. How dare she a commoner sit with the royals? But she's going to leave. So they're giving her a little courtesy meal. But, but, but Beth, look at her with her beautiful, her beautiful hair and her eyes that remind him of a dead woman. He couldn't possibly, he couldn't possibly. What, what has he, what has he become? Where, how, how has he fallen so far off the path? Well, he, pour- he will not do it. He, pours- he cannot do it. Well, he does at first. He pours the wine and they're all getting ready to drink it. And then he's like, no, wait. I'm not suspicious. Don't drink the wine. I'm going to get you another wine. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I didn't realize you were having fish. I (laughs) served you red. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm... I'm sorry. So, I enjoy... I enjoy a drink. I don't get drunk. That being said, if someone poured me some wine and was like, oh, I'm going to go get you a better wine... I'd drink that wine first and then they'd like and then I, I wouldn't have the wine taken away. I'd be like, oh, I'll just I'll just start have a starter. I'll wait for your better bottle to come out. Well, that's also like on the, the same level. Like, I agree with you, but it's also because there's no way like, you know, that that wine is just going down the drain. Yeah. And to me, that doesn't seem correct. Like, I'm just going to drink it. Like, I'll drink that, and then I'll drink another one. Because, again, I'm with you. I, I like to have a couple of drinks. I'm drinking a thing that is, like, it's called Wild Tea. I found it at Kroger. It's certified gluten-free. It's half the reason I bought it. And so, but, like, I forget where my line is. So I'll be like, no, I'll definitely have two overpoured glasses of wine. What could go wrong? <laughs> a cheap one and an expensive one. And then I'll, get, I'll forget, and I'll have a third one. What are you going to do? Take it away? No, no, no. That's wasteful and rich people shit. I don't do rich people shit. Bring it on. You know what? Pour the expensive wine in with the cheap wine. I'm sure it all tastes the same. <laughs> It'll I'm turn it into a mid wine. Everyone around the table, like, it's just absolute shocked faces. What have you done? What's going on? Uh, but yeah, he's like, takes it away and they're like, oh, this is completely normal behavior. Fantastic. They're not at all suspicious. I'm, and, and I'm sorry. At this point in their lives with the queen uh, hunting for them, why don't they have food and drink tasters? Because they're so... We're going to get into the whole hero-villain conversation again, but I I genuinely think it's because they're supposed to be so naive. They would... What, what, would, they, what would they do? Murder? Poison my food? She wouldn't do that. No, no way. Not her. She's better than this because... For all of their, everything about them, they are truly, truly naive. It is not goodness, it's naivete. Genuine naivete. The queen has raised a village to the ground and and Snow's like, you know what? We're going to let this go because the best revenge is living a good life. I, I feel like Snow is that girl who's like in the gym benching being like, if I get as jacked as possible, if I get my summer body and I look amazing in a bikini, he will he will be so sad and he will spend his days pining for me, which can be true. Those things can be true. Um, you can you can 
get your revenge by living your best life. But at the same time, you were also letting that person live rent-free in your head? Mm-hmm. And also because I said it, I want to make sure that no, there is no signal cross. All bodies are bikini bodies. If you have a body and you want to wear a bikini, it's a bikini body. Let's go. Woo. Just let's be happy. I just it's too hot outside cruise. to be worried. Yeah. I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, so now he heads downstairs to get the better wine, the non-poisoned wine, and Rumple shows up. And he's like, hey, buddy, Um, so I need you not to murder them because I need them to, to go fuck later on and make the baby <laughs> for my plan. The way he says procreate, Rumple's creepy in this episode. I didn't, in this moment, I didn't hate it. I just hated when he was with Regina doing it. He can be creepy I, listen, by if himself. If we're going to make him creepy, that's fine. I I do enjoy creepy, unhinged Rumple. I like this. But then when you flash forward and you're trying to make me like him, I believe in redemptions. I do. It's why I like this show. It's why I love Ted Lasso. We all love redemption arcs. He's so weird and creepy. He's done unforgivable things. He's constantly doing unforgivable things in the present. He is not on a redemption tour in any way, shape, or form. Just make him creepy and bad and let it happen. Just be like, oh, he tried and he failed, so he just went bad. The end. That's all I want. I know I'm not going to get it. No. I know I'm just going to be mad by the end of the season. But that's, that's where I'm at. So it's like, I like unhinged creepy rumple. If the other stuff wasn't also happening in tandem. Yeah. So. So Rumble has poisoned Charlotte um, because he can't harm Edmund because Regina's put a spell on him that Rumble can't harm him. And so Rumble's gone around is like, hey, you know, this lady who you saw like two times who looks like your your dead fiance. I poisoned her. And then he's like, oh, no, I must claim her and keep her safe. It's really weird. Like, he's taking ownership of this woman he barely knows. It's very strange. And Rumble's like, oh, I've got this key. And it opens this door to this land of untold stories. And terrible golden CGI. Ooh, I open this door and there's Ripley behind it. Ooh. Ooh. We're not going to show him walking through it. Yeah. We're just going to open the door and show you the door. That's it. And it's like, applied. I I know. I it's fine. <laughs> Show don't tell. It's fine. I like. I kind of like this. I do. And and I told you this offline, but I'll, I'll share at this moment. My baby dragon. My now seven year old. Oh, baby dragon. I don't know how he got so old. But he was like, "Oh, what are you watching?" And I'm like, "Oh, watching Once Upon a Time." And I like let him watch this. And the moment it's just like, "Look, she's poisoned on the ground." I'm like, "Oh no! <laughs> Why couldn't it have been a fun part?" I will say, props to them. They kind of put her behind a box. So, like, you didn't ever really see her suffering. <laughs> they just... It was, like, a weird moment that I only recognized because I was sitting next to a child. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, good. He's, she's not really in view, and it's not like it's grotesque. She's not like, ugh. Like, there's no, like, death face or anything. She does have, like, black lines and stuff emanating from her. And Rumpel's whole thing was, oh, it... You know, we have to stop it from getting to her heart. It's all over her chest. It's too late. We She drank this a while ago. We're too late. But Rumple tells him that if he goes there, much like being in Pandora's box, I guess, it just stops things from happening. 
Well, yeah, I, I think this is kind of how they're explaining the land of untold stories. It's like where people don't want their stories to be played out. So it's literally hitting a pause button because he doesn't want what's going to happen to happen. Like yeah. he doesn't want to kill Charming and Snow. He doesn't want Charlotte to die. He doesn't want to complete this part of his journey. So he's like, I'm just going to put a pause button on it and I'm going to go. And I, I don't know or think that that is consistent throughout the entire saga of the Land of Tunstall story, untold stories. But in the moment, I think it works really well. Agreed. I, I am speaking from a place of, I don't think that this is what holds up. Like it doesn't track mm-hmm. um, because this is going to be the same. Again, this, there's the same weird loop, like uh, not loopholes, uh, plot holes that the underworld was introducing. Where they're going to suddenly show children and stuff. It's like, okay, well, does time stop? Because if it's going to stop the poison, does it also stop them from aging? Are these just perpetual third graders? Which is now also the underworld. Are they now going to start aging? But, like, again, I like this. I like that he decided to save her because he's just like, no, I, I didn't do if we take the creepy part out. If we take the creepy part out where it's like, your eyes reminded me of my wife. Of just being like, I take blame for you being in this position. Like this is just an innocent woman who is now like about to die because of the position he put himself in. I'm down with that. I'm down with that being why he's trying to redeem himself. Unfortunately, this woman is then immediately fridged. Oh yeah. Um, unfortunately, like she, that's the, that's the end of her story. Like, I want to know what's going on between those. Like, did they, like, live together? Would they get married? Like, did he, like, tell her what happened? Did she live her life with all of that, like, poison, like, whatever on her constantly? Were they, like, weird tattoos? Or did it stop? That would have been Because it... Now, could you imagine? You look like... <laughs> if you tell what game I've been playing, do you look like Link from Tears of the Kingdom where you <laughs> just have, like, this permanent, like, cursed arm... Like, this is my Bucky Barnes era. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he saves her and goes off to the unto- land of untold stories. But, oh, wait. Cut to the Hyde dirigible showing up. Hyde force along with Charlotte. Hyde is not in this episode. He's just mentioned briefly. He's, so, he's okay, so here's my question. Here's my question. My understanding was that everyone kind of just got in the dirigible. Did he force everybody into the dirigible? It sounds like he may have forced some of them. I think the jury's out, but it's very clear. Like, Edmund clearly states that Hyde brought him back against his will. Like, he did not want his story to play out. Like, and I think, I think we're more, more than not going to see people who didn't want to be in Storybrooke because they didn't want their stories to play out. But Hyde is a petty little bitch who loves drama and he knows all their stories relate to our heroes. So he's like, I just want to fuck things up. I am obsessed with the idea that like the land of untold stories is just like a sandals beach vacation where it's just like, I cannot face my job. So I'm just going to use my PTO and I'm going to go to a sandals and just ignore it. And I'm never going back. There's like a whole episode of Boy Meets World where they like go on their honeymoon and then like Corey refuses to come home because like the reality of being a married teenager is so upsetting to him. Things we never address quite quite right, but whatever. 
I love the idea that just like these people are just coming home from vacation and the reality of the world is setting in on it. Just yeah. Like, no, no, I was on vacation. I didn't want to be here. My life was better there where I had no responsibilities. I just had to like chop wood and be warm. It was great. Chop wood. And, and And hang around with people wearing steampunk hats. It wasn't that big. I was off. I was off the grid. I got to go to the market every Monday and either shop for a weird felt hat with goggles on it or some weird appropriated stuff that I didn't understand so I never bought with indistinguishable money from different cultures that we never quite homogenized. It it was fine and I understood it. This is terrible. What's a cell phone and why is it warbly right now? (laughs) What's a jukebox? What's a jukebox? Why am I eating this? They called it lasagna. It looks like a monster. I ate it. Why is there a sandwich named after me? <laughs> what Why is it eggy bread? I'm the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh yeah, you dip it in jam. It's great. <laughs> Alright, well, uh. anyway. <laughs> so that is the story of Le Count de Monte Cristo, but it's unclear at this point why he's so determined to continue where he left off. So Regina goes to meet in Charming in Snowstead to call off the deal. And, and, and it goes really well, right? Yeah, it goes well. And he's like, absolutely, I'll call off the deal. And then they all like went to Granny's and she taught them about hot chocolate with cinnamon on it. It's amazing. Yeah, he's like, no, absolutely not. I have a job to do and I will do it. Because reasons also because my heart is not my own it has been could you imagine being this poor man he is just like he was living a story of just like his wife his wife and family have died tragically lived in prison he worked himself up great gatsby style to like become a man of the people like he's he's now rich and so he throws a party gets to gets to start enacting revenge batman style amazing and then now he's being hired as a hitman, but then a man with gold skin tries to kill a pretty blonde lady, so then he goes to a different place for a nondescript amount of time. And there's a guy that, like, keeps shifting between, two, like, a Weasley little guy and some dude with mutton chops from <laughs> a whole different planet. And then he gets forced onto a dirigible, and now he's back with those people, but they look different. And he doesn't understand what's going on. Also, that woman is dead. Mm-hmm. And now there's two of this woman, this other woman, one of them with short, sassy hair, and the other one looks a little bit closer to what he had. By the way, Re- evil Regina in um, present day, so sparkly. Oh, so Like, sparkly. her collar almost wouldn't stand up because of how many rhinestones were on. <laughs> Like if, like it, this was like if Taylor Swift went through a like evil queen face, just like it's so many rhinestones, it's so sparkly. But anyway, we find out that Regina, evil queen, has taken his heart, so he is not of his own mind. No. He has been grammed. Yes, he, he has. is. He is. He is a soft-hearted man who is just trying to do right in the world, but he cannot, and he must now sword fight for his life. With Charming being Captain America with a garbage can lid. As Snow is just, like, nearby. She, she kind of helps. She pushes and does some other yeah. stuff, but she's just sort of also there. She's got a stick. She's got, like, a bar, and she goes, 
She does like a little thing yeah. back and forth with it. They melee a little bit, yeah. um, and they kind of get some juxtaposition. Like she's like, "Oh, the evil queen did this," and I, I will say that I'm happy that at no point did they ever doubt Regina classically. You know what I mean? They were just like, "Oh, Regina has turned bad." They were just like, "Wait, is the evil queen back?" Oh, it must be because she is a separate person. Like Snow never doubts Regina. Yeah. Which I like. That is a sign we are moving forward with our growth and character plots. Yes. We like this. Yes. But before, they got the upper hand, but not before uh, Count of Monte Cristo throws some barrels at them, Donkey Kong style. They get knocked to the ground. Uh Uh-oh, they sleeping. And Regina and Henry go to try and find some clues, and they find Charlotte's body. And guess who shows up? Green screen queen. But also, Charlotte's cloak is doused with, and I quote, magic dampening, like, elixir. Yes, that she and got so from now, the vault and also got the ingredients to once again seal the town. So now we're stuck again. Again, more things that happened off screen. So now Regina cannot throw fireballs proper. She cannot quite do much. And... So that when she engages in the war against the Count of Monte Cristo, she can't do much. She tries to get Henry to, like, text Emma. Why have we not texted Emma sooner? But he can't because his screen is kind of warbly. It doesn't even... I forgot how silly this looked because I thought it looked worse. But I'm like, this just looks like what your phone looks like after too many wines. You're just like, okay, I got it. It's fine. Hold on. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Hey, Emma. It's fine, but can you come to the docks and, like, bring a real big sword? Anyway, send. It's not It's not <laughs> about your vision. Hopper, we promise. It's ho- in the daytime. Hopper responds. Hopper responds. I think you said this to the wrong person, but you never say because you're passed out. It's fine. <laughs> but, like, Emma never shows up. It's fine. And Regina has this epic sword fight. With the Count of Monte Cristo. And they exposition a little way through it. And she's like, no, you're better than this. You can fight it. And he's like, no, I can't. He goes to, like, execute the Charmings while they are laying down dead. And she vaults. I mean, she, over the head, chucks the sword. And it goes all the way through him. It didn't seem very feasible. Very realistic. No, nothing about that. Like, there's, and again, because it's like they're they're now making sure they're catering to like a young guy. There's no blood. No, it goes through. Like, it also goes through his rib cage in a way that it doesn't puncture his heart. So I was like, oh, he's fine. We'll just put his heart back in him and like suture him up. But I will say, if Regina had no magic, and she was able to absolutely yeet that sword so hard, it exited the front of him like it didn't just go into him it came out and exited a pretty decent distance again physics has no place in storybrook as we as we've learned but if it did regina is the strongest person alive she is an absolute beast so we've killed the count the count is dead and the moment that he's dead snow and charming are just like what happened we're awake now conveniently and So I do have mixed feelings about this narratively. I think it's interesting, even though it, you know, does kind of fridge 
a character to serve another character's story. Because this is all about, this was all a test from evil Regina to good Regina being like, uh, I thought you were a hero. Heroes always find the plan C to save everybody in the end. They don't just do the murder. And you did the murder because you're not actually a hero. You still have a little bit of me in you. And it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I like the sentiment. But when she is saying, I want that scene where she says, a hero always finds plan the third plan. I want to super cut it with, and I we bring this up every time we talk about heroes and villains, charming, absolutely obliterating an entire staff while her while his wife is giving birth. You know what I mean? Like he's like got yeah. a baby. No, I'm sorry, he's got Emma in his arms, and he is just absolutely murdering anyone that comes near him. You'd be like, oh yeah, a hero never kills anybody. And Charming just step, 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 indiscriminately murdering anybody in a feather hat. And so, like, I like it, but I don't. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on complicated feelings. Yeah, I, I think this works a lot better than, exa- for example, the death of Mila, because in this yes. case, there's actual remorse. There is conse- There are consequences for this. In, in Rumpel's case, there were none. There were no consequences for what he did to Mila. And in this one, it's Regina feels like she failed and, and is going to have ramifications. But should we be killing a character just so another character learns a weird lesson about themselves? It's... If, if the genders were reversed, I think we'd have a, a problem with it. So that's why I want to make a note of it. I would like to say that, to be fair, they did level it out. They fridged two people of conflicting genders. So, like, we've... <laughs> we've fridged two people. It's fine. We're fridge neutral. We're fridge neutral. You know what? It would have only been better in 2023 if they would also fridge, like, a non-binary character. Just be like, listen, we've fridged everybody. We're fridging anyone and everybody part of this scene. It's amazing. <laughs> um, it so so we've killed this character, which is upsetting because I wish we would have found a way to bring him back. Yeah, but like, it's I guess we can't have every classic piece of literature. Although if if I'm remembering correctly, and I may be speaking out of turn here, I think the two thousand leagues guy, twenty thousand leagues, however many leagues, those guys are recurring. I think you can make the Count of Monte Cristo recurring without having to kill him off. Yeah, and because it's an interesting... Charlotte didn't need to be killed off either. It's an interesting character, an interesting actor playing him, and I thought he did a good job, you know, with this pretty demanding guest appearance. He had to do a lot in this episode. I thought he did a great job. He carried a lot. He carried a lot. He did very well. Um, so that's... The end of his story is that he... Honestly, he he went down the same way kind of Gaston did. I did have the thought about Gaston of being like, while the Charmies were fighting them, I'm like, what if she like throws him in the river thinking it will kill him permanently? And be like, oh, it's a normal river. (laughs) Dang it. But like the same thing is like, they're just fighting on the docks again, just like normal. But like, he did not get his redemption. He died. I, I, I guess he is without his own heart. But he is still like not fighting like the 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 moral of the story or the the lesson where you take away from this is that the Count of Monte Cristo is not inherently good. He cannot fight his 
He cannot not fight being reprogrammed. Yeah. So. He's a victim. Like, In the like, end, he is a victim. Yeah, he is a victim. Sim- again, similar to Graham. Like, Graham was fighting it. Graham fought it, like, right to the end, um, which is what makes Graham's story so much more tragic. Not more tragic, but makes it tragic. But the Count of Monte Cristo doesn't get that. He is just like, no, I can't fight this. I'm just going to do it. Which is sad in his own right. So let's kind of briefly just kind of touch on the few other things that happen in this episode before we end on our cliffhanger that I thought was very interesting. Uh, first, we've got Evil Queen and Zelina having evil sisterly bonding. And I don't want to go scene by scene with this unless you do. No. Because it's the same thing every time. Yeah, so basically, Evil Regina is here. As the fan wiki puts calls her the Serum Queen, which <laughs> is strange. <laughs> it's a it, it, choice. You have to read it twice. You th- yeah, you're like, first you time you're like, twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, wait a minute. And then you read it again, and the second time you're having, like, you've moved your brain out of the gutter. <laughs> but now it sounds like some sort of, like, weird Marvel side character. That, like, because yeah, when I think serum. It's not the final boss. It's the boss before the final boss. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is, like, like a Winter Soldier test run that didn't quite work. Yeah. So they call her this. It doesn't matter. So she's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go to the vault. So we go to the vault. We get the stuff. We do a lot of off-screen stuff. Like, we have now sealed the town again. Because we have to make sure that in every season... Escaping town is not an option. It's every every season. There's a wall. You'll turn into a tree. There's a curse. There's a whatever. So we do that. Zelina never rats this person out. Never says, hey, she's here. She plays dumb when they find out about the town line. Which is what then, like, solidifies her with the evil queen that said, she's like, oh, well, you never ratted me out. So, like, I know that I can trust you. She's like, I'll, I'll never be like Regina and, and doubt you. Which is weird, because it's just like, girl, did you not see what happened in the underworld? I would doubt her all the time, every day, constantly, about even the smallest choices. Hey, I'm going to leave and get you an iced tea. She's coming back with a Pepsi. I can feel it. <laughs> there is one moment that I liked Zelina in this episode, and it was... Because she gets cute little fun one-liners every once in a while. I like when she shows up at the town line and she's just like, I just don't get why you guys drive around in cars when you could just magic yourself wherever you want to go. And I do like because they basically wreck it. And so she's just like, that thing is a death trap. It's objectively safer to poof yourself places. And faster. It's faster, more efficient, and and you don't die. Like... What are the odds you poof yourself somewhere and you die? You don't, because you poof yourself somewhere. Oh, I'm about to die? You poof yourself somewhere else. Isn't it great? So basically the whole thing is that she is, like, endearing herself to the evil queen. But, like, really stupid. Yeah, she's, like, doing it kind of casually. Yeah. And so, like, we get a scene where... And again, this back half of the... Not the whole half, like, maybe the last third or fourth of the episode I was watching with my kid next to me and so he is he is he has witnessed the Count of Monte Cristo dying and I assured him that he was coming back so if anyone if he asks you guys he comes back he's fine but like 
Yeah, the evil queen is sitting there shaking the rattle, and he didn't quite understand what was going on. He looked at me. He was so concerned. He's like, did she just give something to that baby? I'm like, no, buddy, it's a rattle. So he's like, oh, good. I I don't like her. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I want to watch an episode with your son. He, the best questions come out of his mouth. It's fantastic. Um, One of these days, maybe we'll, like, if I know it's going to be, like, kind of a not- super violent episode because there were a couple of moments where we I was can do like, a patreon hey, where we talk with him about the episode we just talk about it the episode because believe me he would like to talk in the microphone he did do a sound check with me before he went to bed Aww. um oh oh into my heart so what was i talking about i lost it i oh, know i'm thinking about my son oh, my beautiful dragon we <laughs> were talking about evil regina we we're talking about oh, selena so yeah they have the nice moment with the baby and just being like oh this is a rattle my mom you know, used. And she's like, oh, our mother used this? Because Zelina is, again, focusing on the wrong thing. She's just like, oh, this is my sister. And it's like, no, this is just like an amalgamation of the evil parts of your sister. And you're a dork for thinking that this is normal. And she's like, oh, and I'm like, she's lying to you. It is just a rattle. It could be anything because you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is a blanket my mother used to use. It's literally from Kmart. Like... (laughs) You could just lie to this woman and she'll believe you because she's also very naive and trusting. I came in on a cycle from Kmart. <sighs> and so she just basically bonds with her because she just wants a, a sister who is also morally corrupt. I, I guess. she She's gone from being stupid about Hades to being stupid about Evil Queen. She just... Zelina doesn't have a like she's either in mom mode or she's in naive to the point of farce mode yeah she's just it it is tough i'm having a tough time with her this time around Mm -hmm. um honestly because it just seems like she's being willfully obtuse about quite a bit of things like you've lived a life we've watched a lot of this stuff you were literally the evil wizard for an entire land of people. There's no way you are this naive. You have, you are cunning. You are cunning, you have very strong magic, you are a very powerful witch. There's no way you're just like, my sister is evil now, I'm so happy. You literally fooled a man into believing that you were his wife that you had murdered. Like, where's that, where's that person? I mean, granted, I don't like what she did at all, but... That was a character who did shit. It required homework, Mm -hmm. dedication, Mm -hmm. and being observant, Mm -hmm. and doing what was needed to be done, even if you didn't quite... Because, you know, know, being Marion must have been very tough for her. It had to go against most of her coding. So, like, again, she was just very insufferable this episode. Just, it was tough. I don't remember where the storyline goes, but I do remember in a couple of seasons... Or, like, the next season, really liking her. So maybe she dupes us at the end where we're like, oh, yay, she's redeemed herself. So, or maybe it's just when she's running a soul cycle and it's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got Emma seeing Archie. We... <laughs> Sorry. Haven't, having some therapy with... At first, he was doing a very good job. He was saying things so and asking good. questions that I felt were... TV appropriate for a therapist like you know when she would say something he would 
you know, when she was making a claim, I just need to know how to stop this thing and save my family. He would be like, why do you, why do you feel like you have to do that? He was asking, he wasn't giving her advice beyond there's things you, you need to talk about and I'm here yeah. to listen. He was doing the proper thing of instead of giving advice, which sometimes he does, but she's not supposed to do. He does prod her along being like, okay, let's explore that. Let's, why do you think that? Why do you want that? Why do you like just giving her the pieces to talk about something? Because even Hope talks about it. would be like being vulnerable. Isn't really your strong suit. Not a strong start for her entering therapy. <laughs> Don't say that. Hook, I know you're trying to be supportive, but damn. Um, and he does really well with that. He, he walks her through it. It like, there's a therapy storyline in, uh, Ted Lasso that I feel like would have come into play for Emma being like, Hey, Emma, the truth will set you free, but it is first going to piss you off because that's all of these visions. Like you just, you need to sit with it. You need to get through it. It's going to make you mad, but you need to face it before you do it because she's just, she's trying not to face it. Like she full on has one of those moments in front of Regina and Snow. And then it's just like, what's going on? I loved her cool girl moment. Hey, I'm fine. It's, it's nothing. And she like fully leans back and like takes a, takes like a victory sip of her, like, or whatever she's drinking. She's like, I'm fine. Cool. You, you tricked them. They don't, they don't suspect (laughs) They don't suspect a thing. So then she like goes back, but like not to an appointment. She just goes back to tell Hopper. She's like, listen, I think I need to tell them, but I'm like afraid to tell them because I'm worried. And then Hopper just says, hey, hold my, hold Pongo's leash. I'm about to violate every HIPAA violation you can think of. What is, who, who is it? Is it Dopey or Doc? It's Bashful. No, it's Bashful. Sorry, missed both times. Bashful's my four o'clock and he likes to talk about current events which is his code for, he likes to gossip. And so, but Emma basically goes, I don't know who's under the hood and I'm worried. And he's, he like looks at her, he gets like real close. He's like, are you worried about the evil queen or Regina? And she looks like, I, I don't know. Smash cut to the credits. Love this. It was good. It was a good teaser. And it, I thought it was really interesting and I think it's a good conflict for Emma to have. I think it's more, I think it's more interesting for her to be talking about this with a therapist and processing it as opposed to just keeping it in and not telling anybody because we know that that's not a strategy. Of course, the better strategy is, as Hopper rightly suggested, let her family protect her, like take a back seat and let others step in to help. And yeah, like you've been doing a lot. Maybe let's cash in some favors here because like who knows what this is. Also, do you think Regina's going to wear a cloak? Come on. No. no iteration of her is putting a cloak over her fabulous hair. Let's be real. Not at all. Um, and then also Belle, Belle and Hook get oh, a yeah, and nice Belle's there. moment. Like she shows up and she's like, I need a place to stay because I'm not with Rumpel anymore. We're, we're totes done forever. Never getting back together. It's a and Emma's song. like, you cannot. Yeah. Emma's like, you can't stay on these bed bug infested cardboard sheets that granny calls mattresses. Anyway, gotta go. I'm not going to help with this at all. I'm leaving after I've dropped this awful vicious attack on this place. <laughs> 
and so Hook takes her to his ship where he thinks she'll be safe. Whether she is will be determined in future episodes. And we do get a nice moment between them where Hook is vulnerable and honest about how, you know, he he has some growth to do. And he has some, you know, he did some bad shit in the past, including to Belle. And he says, you know, I need to forgive myself and I'm not there yet. I need time and I want to help others to help me get there. And I'm like, are you seeing Dr. Hopper too? Because this is like, this is good growth, Mr. Hook. Oh, he said, yeah, he went through some full, like, he went through a full therapy couple of sentences because he names what he did. He was like, listen, this is what it was. I, you know, like, Rumple is my my enemy. And he's like, and I put my hands on you in a way that I shouldn't have. And I, like, he said what he did. And he apologized. No buts. No no blame. No, like, excuse. He just said it. Guys, take notes. If everybody did this, the world would be a wonderful place. Um, is it too late? Like, is it, like, is it, like, not a day late and dollar short. Like, it, it, it's still meaningful. But at the same time, I feel like Hook could have come to this sooner. Honestly. <laughs> In a really, but I'm glad that it is happening. Um, but you're right. Her being on that ship is, um, it does lead to not so great events, but this moment was nice. And I like this. I did too. And the last thing we're going to talk about is the hint at something for charming in the future. Uh, he gets a letter uh, that looks like it's from the Count of Monte Cristo. It's not. It's from the Evil Queen. And it contains a coin that she got out of nowhere. Like, she found it on the ground. She didn't She didn't go to any pawn shop to find it. She didn't try and seduce Mr. No. Gold. Th- no, she found happen. it, like, and it was fine. It was like she was just, like, existing, and it, like, appeared to her yeah. in a vision. And she picked it up and said, amazing, I'm so glad nothing weird and creepy happened while I found this. <laughs> yep, there we go. That's all we got to say. Yep. 100%. Absolutely what happened. Don't check the show to see if we are right. We are 100% right. And we get this this tease between David and Regina where she's like, he's like, oh yeah, this like this was a coin that I gave my daddy and then he was drunk and he got into an accident and he died. It was all super sad, but I've moved on. I'm fine. And then Regina, uh, Evil Queen's like, yeah, but what if it like wasn't an accident? Okay, bye. <laughs> she goes. I get. I also I, like this too. I did like this too. I will say, I do. I, I, I just still think it's funny that like, not funny that it happened, but the story is that he got drunk and then crashed his cart. But then the way Charming puts it is like he got he drank too much and then he got into a cart accident. Which sounds like he, like, was in a parking lot of a JCPenney <laughs> with a Target car and was, like, fighting people. Obviously, because of Charming, he was in the basket with a 2 by 4 being pushed and jousting in, in shopping carts, which sounds really rad now that I think about it. But the, the cliffhanger is, you know, like, oh, is, is that what happened? Yeah. Because... If I remember one thing about the season is I remember that Charming and his dad have a very wonderful scene together that I very much like. But, it, again, 
at this point, I do have a seven-year-old sitting next to me. And he goes, so what happened? I'm like, oh, he drank too much alcohol and then he crashed his car and he died. And he goes, oh, I'm like, yeah, this is why we don't drink a lot of alcohol. Very teaching moments during the show. I'm like, we don't drink a lot of alcohol and we get behind the wheel of a car. It's called drunk driving and it is super illegal. And he goes, do you go to jail? I'm like, you go to jail. <laughs> so we're, we're learning lessons while we watch Once Upon a Time. Uh, teachable moments. Yes. So I am excited for this cliffhanger. I'm excited for where this goes. Because again, charming Josh Dallas had his swagger on he in did. this episode, and, and I we, believed in him. I was like, "This, let's go." We laid some interesting. Um, we laid we laid some interesting foundation. We're gonna see if we grow from it, or we're gonna see if we end, end up back in Sapia Town. Only time will tell. And that was season six, episode two, a bitter draft, or as it was called in German. The enig- Enigmatic Count of Monte Cristo, which I like oh. better because it's not just Count of Monte Cristo. He's enigmatic. The like, Enigmatic yes. Count of Monte Cristo. Like, not only are you the Count of Monte Cristo, you have a, you have another modifier. That's amazing. <laughs> that is That's pretty amazing. amazing. I love the German titles. They're the best. They are the best. Yeah, but overall, like, this was a good episode. I very much enjoyed Solid it. Episode. I had a good time watching it. I'd say it was better than most, if not all of the episodes that I recall from like season five, at least the second half of season five. Like, I don't recall a Um, single episode from the underworld story that matched the match what we got in this one, which is so weird considering how death and tragedy and loss was literally the theme of the underworld storyline. And this did it better. Yeah, I think if you, looking back on it, when it's the whole thing, especially with, as you guys obviously listened to, I was getting very philosophical with how I was viewing the episode. When it's all of it, all the time, it's hard to digest properly. It's hard to Mm -hmm. be, it's hard to have a good storytelling thing when you're not focused on doing it right. That's why, and I I mentioned it all last season when we talked about it, but like, that's what the good place was really good about what they did where it's like, it's all this tragic stuff, but we're framing it in ways that are not constantly tragic. And we're talking about things that you can relate in your regular everyday life, which is what, not exactly what this episode did, but this is episodes where like, Hey, look, people make mistakes. Mistakes happen. We make complicated decisions. People die. Like when you make it more of a lived experience and there's nothing about anything that happened in the underworld that is a lived experience that you can like latch on to like oh remember when we all like 2020 was really hard when we were all like locked into our home remember when we all got on payphones and haunted our babies <laughs> and then Cruella DeVille ripped it out and took it and away Remember when we couldn't haunt our babies anymore because that woman who was trying to murder Dalmatians ripped them out <laughs> Such a freaking wild season, man. Well, I love this show so much. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us on Amazon, on Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. 
You can also support us on Patreon. We want to thank our wonderful patrons for their support, especially our Swan Queen level patrons. Uh, this week's Patreon shout out goes to Cecile Jenny. Thank you so much, Cecile. And if you want to join our very special club, you can go to patreon.com slash Timing. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us. We're going to be back next week with season six, episode three, The Other Shoe. It's going to drop. From a very high distance. From a distance. Like, it's going to drop and just, yeah. From a distance. We rewind, we turned on Hercules the other day. The amount of things that are wrong about that with Greek history is so much, but the soundtrack absolutely slaps. I can go the distance, lives in my soul, so hard. It like, does. I love that song so much. <laughs> so I just put on, uh, I looked at an image for the other shoe, and the image I saw is uh, the Cinderella actress with a shotgun. So we've got that. <laughs> we got, oh, and <gasps> Jekyll's coming back. <sighs> oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I wanted Dr. I meant Dr. Whale. Dr. Whale's back. I was going to say, of course he comes back. That would yeah. be weird if no, he didn't. No, no, he's, not, like, he's Jack gone. Jekyll. He's gone forever. He's fine. Uh, no, I meant <sighs> Dr. Whale. Frankenstein. So thank you, oh. everybody, for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. Uh, I think Science Bros comes comes into play next week. So I am very excited. Science Bros. We'll see you next week for Science Bros. See you next week.